All right, welcome. So today I'm going to talk about deceptions within the marriage, lessons we can learn from the garden. Um, what are some of these takeaways that we can see in how the serpent deceived Eve? Now, most people, when they hear the word deception within the context of the marriage, immediately go to things like affairs, addictions, embezzlements. But I think there's actually a more common and just as poisonous form of deception, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. Now, today, this is another lightning round, which is I came up with an idea, was, you know, percolating in my head, and I'm going to just spit it out in a podcast so it doesn't come with the full level of exegesis and exposition that I think truly warrants warrants a full message. So do your own research. But the reason why I do that is because I think there's an idea that if I can mine and get out there and discuss with people, there will be a truth that is properly dividing the Word of God. So the primary thing that we're going to take a look at is going to be in Genesis. We're going to look at how the serpent um, deceived Eve. However, it would be remiss to not put on the table, and I am not going to address it, who tends to be deceived more often if Eve were the one deceived? Now, I am not going to answer that one now. It is something that must be put on the table. And if you're discussing this with your um, within a marriage or within someone that you're dating, I think it really is a valuable conversation. I hope to address it soon. And if it's really pressing, you should go ask your pastor. So some scriptures to chew on on that topic. So 1 Timothy 2, 13 through 14. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So here he's stating a fact, but I believe there's something underlying him repeating this and not just in isolation. So I think the longer discussion will be, does this seem to correlate with other parts of scripture? But it's, it's, it's setting an uncomfortable sort of a boundary of conversation on the table. And I acknowledge that, and I am not going to address it. So I'm going to say both are equally dis- dis- gullible, and um, we will reserve the deep dive later. First uh, Timothy 3, 4 through 6. So he, uh, he's talking about a range of people that are not godly. And then then they are treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They, such people, are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. This is the area I think it is worth discussing, not now, not today, but in the future, why is he pointing this out? And I want to preface this, there might be people who are like, ah, women are being targeted again. And then the question that I like to phrase is, which would you rather be? Would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Would you rather say, no, I don't like that and be right or hey, maybe that's an uncomfortable truth, but if we trust God's word and we try to follow it and abide by his warnings, we're going to be happier, for lack of a better word. So now let's get to the substance. So Genesis 3, 1 through 4. This is the art of deception, and we understand that because uh, when the serpent was created, he's referenced as one of the, the craftiest of all animals or creatures. So certainly, anything the serpent does that illustrates deception is of utmost. 
So let's take a look at some things. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So one of the most dangerous forms of uh, deception is self-deception of oneself. And then comes the attempt to persuade the other partner of the correctness or rightness of one's self-deception with another deception. I think what happened in the Garden of Eden illustrates that. So I'm not going to go into all the elements about what was the underlying heart posture. Um, we'll touch upon it. We can see it's right there. Apparent is Eve was tempted by the ability to be like God, specifically knowing good and evil, being able to judge morally. So I think that's worth another conversation. But let's look at the mechanics. Let's take a look at the mechanics. So the first part of the deception is by the serpent. What does he do? He questions the truth and reality of God's command with the intent to disagree with it. So he says, what? Wait, huh? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? I mean, did he really say that? And, and I think that we often do that. It's the first opening to not to deceiving oneself. Examples. Does it really mean don't go to bed angry? Does that does that really mean that? What what if I'm super tired? Does it really mean that? Does it really and, and the, remember the intent is well I don't really want to address the underlying anger, right? There is a version which is like oh I really want to address it but boy I'm tired. Does it really mean that? Okay, let me find right. Think about the underlying motive, right? I'm often in arguments that I've had where that question is not, oh, I want to do it, but does it really mean it? It's, oh, does it really mean that? It's a skepticism because I don't want to follow it. And, and, and that's the opening part. Does it really mean respect your husband? Does, I mean, does it really mean if, if, if you don't feel like you're fully loved, right? Opening the, the, the posture. Does it really mean to go to someone and reconcile before you, you worship and pray and go to church? Does it really mean that just looking at a woman with lust in your heart is as bad as having an affair? Does it really mean that? Like, right, in, in each of those, it's, it's kind of pushing the bounce, and that's the beginning. The second one is make straw mans from extremes. So a good way to kind of like try to imply the statement is totally wrong is to make it extreme. And then you say, well, it can't always be true dot, 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 parentheses, so it's not really true. So notice what Satan does. He says, you will not certainly die. And I'll have been in arguments with my wife where I'll say, well, I think, you know, when these things occur, this thing's going to happen. We should do that. And her response will be, well, that doesn't always happen. That's not always true. Sometimes I'll say, well, you know, this person has these things. I think he's that way. But not everybody is like that. And and some of that is personality. Doesn't necessarily mean there's ill intent, but having ill intent doesn't 
you know, preempt somebody from being deceived, not seeing the truth, being able to find patterns and say, I just want to know what's the underlying truth can be completely dismantled by someone saying, but it's not always, it's not every single time. So are there risks of overgeneralizing? There is. There are ways independently to address that. Discernment does matter. Being able to have individual relationships does matter. But deception finds its way most often when we make our own exceptions to God's law. And it, it's hard to not do that. But one of the ways that I would say I've, I've experienced and experienced an underlying deception is when it starts to be, but it's not always. Are you sure? Every single time? My daughter actually will argue with me that way. I'll say something, says, but is that, that's not always true. But what about, and so it's often a way in her case to try to understand the scope. But over time, especially in a marriage where there are competing interests, it's a way to just say, I, I'm not going to address what you said because it's totally not true because it's not always true. So therefore, there's no alternative left standing that's mine. Like that's not typically verbalized, but you'll see the mechanics are actually what's happening. And the last deception is we imagine whatever it is, the proposal, the suggestion, referencing God's scripture, it's not intended for our own good. So let's take a look at what happened here. Um, the serpent says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. That, that's all he said. But in parentheses, the self-deception is, well, God wants to keep the knowledge of good and evil from me. Parentheses. Therefore, he's hurting me and taking something away. My husband does not agree with my plan. Parentheses. Because he doesn't care about me or my feelings. My wife is not agreeing to address a problem. Parentheses. Because he just doesn't want to fix things. Those, those are assigning and imagining the intent the thing that you're trying to to justify is to put back onto the person and including God one's an ill intent for oneself because it justifies it so how do we what do we do with these let's first let's 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 break apart the mechanics of the deception so the first one is well what's truth versus personal preference this is the biggest part of deception and there's plenty that's going on underlying it. It's very easy to jump from, well, here's what's going on in the circumstance. I don't like the circumstance. Add on, well, you know, I don't like the feeling I have about this circumstance to then say, well, I simply don't like the suggestion because of all of these feelings. The shared understanding of what is going on. And if there's not an acceptance of, well, what is underlying going on? Is there a truth in this statement that we're trying to work at that's separate from a personal preference? Self-deception and deception of the other is already starting. If there's not a, I want to understand what do we know to be true. Now, you may argue, well, there's nothing that we agree to be true. And, and that's a much bigger issue and I think if there's no rooting in Scripture, or even worse, a disbelief that Scripture can be that source of truth, then I would, at this point, only say it's very easy to be self to be deceived. 
The second one is examine why is an exception being brought up. Is it trying to undermine the search for the truth? Is it, well, because this isn't always true, it's not worth searching for the truth. It's not true. There is nothing truth. Or is it an attempt to get as close as possible to the truth to do it? So don't go to bed um, angry. Um, the example could be, well, I, I want to stay angry. I don't want to talk about it. So this doesn't make sense. I'm tired, and that can't be a true statement. The converse of an attempt to get as close as possible is, you know, I realize there's a truth into this. I'm raising an exemption. Boy, I'm super tired. I have a feeling that in this state of being tired right now, it's going to make it worse, and we won't get there. Therefore, after I have rest, I want to come back. Those are two different things that come from the same sort of circumstance and same um, sort of basis of exception. And then the last one is when evaluating options, can you, can you on both sides, you, the person presenting it, and the other one, is the tone and posture and underlying thinking imputing negative intent from the other person? If you're even-handed and you're like, well, I want to know, I have open-handed questions, um, I, I really need an answer that's helping everybody, then that's more likely to be the truth. If you're coming in aggressive and you're, you're, you're leaning against the person and you've already assumed the person wants the worst for you, you have a self-deception. It could not just be within the relationship. It can also be an attitude towards God. So uh, I think this one is a good actionable one to really look into any given disagreement, any given misunderstanding. Where was the source of deception? And that's it. Thank you. Bye-bye.